What's up, Hume Lake SoCal? Are you guys excited to be here this week? Are you excited to be here? Man, I am so excited that every single one of you are here. My name is Eric, and I'm a student ministries pastor, and I love junior high students. I mean, I just think you guys are the coolest students. I feel like you got so much going on, and, and I think, I think, this week, this really big concept that we're talking about, truth, I think you guys can handle this. I think you're going to have some incredible conversations in your cabin times, and I actually believe that this week it is going to change the course of history for you. Now, not because of anything I say, but because of what we will discover together in God's word because of the conversations you're going to have with your friends and with your counselors and with your youth pastors, I literally think the course of history is going to change this week. And so I am honored and excited to be a part of it and to see what God has in store for each one of us. Well, hey, before we get started, I want to show you a few photos of my family. They're going to come up in a little bit just so you guys can get to know us a little bit. Let me show you this first picture. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is me and my wife, Sarah. This is me and my wife, Sarah. Uh, this was us, obviously, on our wedding day. And, and, and let me just answer a question that I, I know is running through every single one of your brains right now, and it's this. Was he 12 years old when they got married? <laughs> like, I get it. I get it. No, we were 14, and so we got married a little bit late. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But here's what's... Here's what's really exciting. Here's what's really exciting. Um, today, today, July 25th, is Sarah and I's 13-year wedding anniversary. Today. And, uh, and I asked Sarah, because she's not here right now. She's going to come up tomorrow, so you're going to get to see her with the rest of our kids. Um, but I asked her today when we were driving in the car, I said, hey, Sarah, are you, uh, I, I said, are, are you kind of sad that like we're not going to be together on our anniversary? Like kind of sad that I'm going to be up at Hume and you'll be back home? And, and she thought about it for a second and then she said, no, I'm not sad. And I was like heartbroken, right? I'm like, what? You're not sad? You... And then she said this. She said, no, Eric, of course, like I'm sad that I don't get to be with you. But, but she's like, I love what you're going up to do. And I love that we as a family get to be a part of what God is up to in the next generation. And I was like, y'all, I knew I married up, but I married way up. I'm just saying that kind of thing, that kind of thinking was so cool. And so here's what I want to do is I want to wish her a happy uh, anniversary. And then I was thinking I could just like turn the phone to you guys and all of you guys could just say like, hi, Sarah, or something like that. Are you guys down for that? All right. All right. So you got to be really quiet. Be really quiet. Really quiet right here. Really quiet. Here we go. Okay. Hey, Sarah. Hey, bride. I love you so much. I am so honored to be your husband. 13 years, and it just gets better and better. Thank you for encouraging me to come to Hume Lake. And I have about 500 friends who just wanted to say hi to you real quick. So I want to introduce you to my new friends. We'll see you tomorrow. Oh, you guys are the best. You guys are the best. Okay. All right. All right. Let's go to the next photo. Next photo is this. Next photo is this. Okay. Now, 
this photo. I'm showing you this photo for a reason. I'm going to ask, this week I'm going to ask that you guys get really vulnerable in your cabins, that you share sometimes the hard stuff in your life. You share maybe some embarrassing things or some things that you don't always share with people, which is why I'm showing you a photo of a grown man in feety pajamas, okay? I recognize that's a lot to comprehend. This is me and my wife, Sarah. This was Charlie right here when he was first born. Uh, he, he doesn't wear feety pajamas anymore, but, but the rest of us do. All right, let's go to the next photo. Um, a little bit after that. Okay, this, this, is, this is a photo of Brinley. This is a photo of Brinley, our next daughter. And here's why I love this photo. I love this photo for two reasons. Brinley, she's eight years old, so Charlie's 10. Brinley's eight now. This was obviously when she was a baby. Um, she has this real deep relationship with Jesus. Like it's, she's, she's got this real relationship with Jesus. And, I, and she always has. And I really love this photo of her because I feel like she's raising her hand like in worship, right? Like I feel like she's like just going for it. But I also feel like she might be saying, I farted. Like I don't know which it is. I just feel like it's one of those for Brinley. I don't know. All right, let's go to the next photo. Next photo. Okay, this was, this was a few years ago. So again, Sarah and I, we got Charlie, Brinley. Then we got Lila right here. And I love this photo of Lila because, you guys, Lila is having a near-death experience, okay? She's not sure she's going to make it through this photo shoot. So there's Lila. Let's go to the next photo. I think we have one of our youngest. Okay, so this is Levi now. So we got Charlie, Brinley, Lila, Levi, if you can remember all their names, I'll give you a quarter. I don't know. It's, it's just hard to remember all their names, but that's our family. Let's go. I think we have maybe one more photo of the whole fam bam. Yeah, so that was us most recently hanging out. And you guys, they're coming up. The rest of them are coming up tomorrow, and they are so, so excited to be here with you. Let me tell you a story. A bunch of years ago, a bunch of years ago, it was December. And we needed to get our carpets cleaned in our house. And at that time, you know, we, we, would, we would like basically save up to, to spend, a, you know, it was like 130 bucks. We'd, we'd save up to get our carpets cleaned before having Christmas parties and having people over. And so my wife and I were talking that morning. Okay, carpet cleaner guy is going to come at 6 o'clock. He's going to show up at 6 o'clock. And then we're deciding what are we going to do with the kids to get them out of the house for a few hours. And we come up with the idea of going to Shakey's Pizza. Anybody ever heard of Shakey's Pizza or you ever been to Shakey's Pizza? You guys, I'm absolutely convinced. As soon as you and I enter into the new heavens and the new earth, as soon as we're greeted by Jesus, he's going to hand us those mojos and the Shakey's Pizza. Like, it's just going to be straight from God. So we decide as a family, we're going to go to Shakey's Pizza. And I don't know if you're like me, but if I know I'm going to eat this, like, really awesome dinner, like, I really want to be excited for it. So I have, like, a light lunch, which, you know... I never have light lunches. So I had a light lunch, and, uh, and I was getting so excited for dinner. So cleaner guy, carpet cleaner guy is supposed to be there at 6. I come, I arrive at 6, ready, starving, can't wait to get the kids in the car and go. 6 becomes 6.30, no carpet guy. 6.30 to 7, no carpet guy. 7.30, 8, it gets to 8 o'clock, two hours past when he was supposed to be here. Carpet guy knocks on the door, Right? And we open the door, and he's just chipper as could be, right? He's like as happy as could be. He's just happy to be there. He says, hey, introduce his name or whatever. And I don't know if you're like me, but, but when I'm really hungry, like when I'm, when I'm hungry, I, I transition to hangry, and, and I'm not my best Christian self. Like just honestly, I'm just not the best version of myself. And so 
I tried to kind of rush him through. Okay, here's what we want done. And, and then he sees like a Bible verse, uh, you know, in, in our house. And, and he starts asking us about it. And I don't want to talk to him, but my wife is such a better person than me. She's asking him all these questions and, and, and you know, finding out about his life. And I'm like, I just want to get to Shakey's Pizza. Like if they close, I'm going to be real angry, right? Like I just want to get to Shakey's Pizza. And so we leave the check for him on the table. We finally get out of the house. We go to Shakey's Pizza, have the heavenly time, the most heavenly time. It was amazing. As we're driving home, as we're driving home, and the whole day, the whole night, like, I was just annoyed. I was annoyed that he showed up late. I was annoyed that I had to wait an extra two hours. Like, I was so hungry. And we walk back in the house, and the carpet's, like, totally clean, looks great. And then we walk over to the dining room table where we had left the check, and it was still sitting there. And there was a little note written on it that said, it was great to meet you guys. Use this money to bless someone. And I felt like a jerk, right? Like, I felt horrible. Because I had one expectation of who this guy was. And then I was completely humbled and surprised to learn who he really was. You see, I think all of us, just like the video portrayed, all of us walked into this chapel tonight. We showed up to camp this week with some expectations of God, with some views of God. And I'm wondering if you would be willing, I'm inviting you to, to, put, to hit pause on that this week and just consider that maybe God wants to surprise you with who he really is. That maybe God wants to show up in an even more powerful, real way. He wants to clarify some misconceptions. He wants to reveal himself to you. And in order to get there, it's going to require that we be open to asking good questions. I was speaking at, um, at Hume Lake uh, a couple months ago, and uh, at the end of our time together, this student came up to me, a junior high student, junior high girl. She came up to me. And she came up with her counselor, and her counselor said, Eric, this is Alice. She's a junior high girl. She has a lot of questions. She asks questions all the time. She's always asking questions. And she has a really big question to ask you. So I was like, okay, Alice, I'm ready. I'm ready. Give it to me. And Alice asked me literally the like, most difficult, complicated question I've ever been asked before. And when she asked me this question, I realized I did not have a good answer. And so what do you do in that moment? You just kind of stall, right? Like you're trying to kind of make it up in your head. Maybe the teacher's asked you a question you don't know, and you're stalling. And so I told her, I said, Alice, that's a great question. I said, Alice, that's amazing. Keep asking questions, Alice. And then I said, Alice, in fact, there's no such thing as a bad question. Alice, there's no such thing as a bad question. And then she interrupted me, and she said this. She said, um, Eric, isn't it a bad question to ask a woman how much she weighs? <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, Alice, there is one bad question. And you found it. One bad question. But I said, Alice, when it comes to God, when it comes to God, there are no bad questions. And so I ask you, students, I want you to think about this question that our video prompted us. Who is God? Who is God? 
Find me in Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. If you brought your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you, each of our sessions, each of our chapels, to bring your Bibles with you. We're going to be spending lots of time in them. We'll have the words up on the screen to help you, but I want to encourage you. Here's the two things I want you guys to make sure you bring every chapel. Bring your Bible and bring a journal and a pen. Bring a Bible and a journal and a pen. And here's the question I want you to write down tonight. In your journal, I want you to write down this question. Who is God? You can write it in your notebook they gave you or a journal you have. I want you to, answer, I want you to write down this question. Who is God? Here's big idea number one. Ready? Big idea number one is this. Jesus is God and created the world. Jesus is God and created the world. But you students, you're bright, you're smart. And some of you are asking the question, or some of you are, are, are arguing back in your mind with me, and you're going, Eric, I'm not, I'm not willing to even talk about Jesus yet because I'm not sure there even is a God. So much has happened to me in my life. I talked with a teacher recently or a friend or one of my parents, or somebody influential in my life, and they've got me really questioning whether God exists. I mean, I can't see him. I like physically can't see him right now. And so why would I even believe that God exists? And if you're asking that question, you're awesome. You're awesome, and I'm so glad you're here. Because it's important that we wrestle with that question. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day and he called the darkness night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. In the beginning, God created. Now, why in the world would you believe what this old book has to say about God? This book claims that one of the ways we can know God is real, that God is true, that God exists, one of the ways we can know who God is is by looking at creation. And I want to share something with you. This is something scientists have literally just discovered. It's called the 122 constants. And the 122 constants are 122 scientific realities, scientific truths, scientific laws that literally point to the miraculous, the statistically improbable nature of life here on planet Earth. In other words, these 122 constants make it clear that planet Earth and life on Earth was no accident, but a miracle. Let me share four, four of these with you guys. The first one is this. 
This is, this is one of the 122 constants. Oxygen, oxygen on Earth's atmosphere, oxygen is, is we're, our Earth's atmosphere is full of 21% oxygen. Did you guys know this? 21% oxygen. Here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. Scientists, 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 modern scientists have told us that if Earth's atmosphere had 22% oxygen or had 20% oxygen right in the middle, if it wasn't perfectly 21% oxygen, that immediately planet Earth would erupt in flames and none of us would be here. And so I want you to do something with me. On the count of three, students, I want you to take a deep breath in with me. One, two, three. And then I want you to exhale. Hold on, hold on. Stay with me. Sit in this moment for a minute. Sit in this moment for a minute. Did you know? Did you know? That what you just did and what you've done for millions and millions of times before, taking in a breath of fresh oxygen and breathing out, literally points to the existence and the truth of God. Because scientists have said, if planet Earth, if the oxygen on Earth was just slightly different, none of us would be here. It's as if God has left his fingerprints, evidence of himself all throughout creation. One of the other 122 constants is, is gravity. Gravity, gravity, if gravity was altered by 0.000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000
Dude, I'm going to get my steps in tonight. This is good. Okay. How about this one? Number three. Number three. Earth's axis tilts. Like, it's kind of got this, like, cool, like, like, look to it, right? Like, Earth's axis tilts. It tilts at 23 degrees. Scientists have told us that if the Earth's atmosphere tilted in 24 degrees or 22 degrees, right, right, all right, up or down from the 23 degrees that it's tilted at right now, surface temperatures on planet Earth would be far too cold, they'd be far too hot, and none of us could survive. And so catch this, you guys. When your Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he kind of like tilted it, it's pointing to Scientists are discovering things that are pointing to the reality of God creating the world. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. The universe is expanding. And in fact, it's, it's one of the reasons, it's one of the reasons that we believe that someone got this whole thing started, that the universe was created because we've noticed it's expanding. But here's what's crazy. If the universe expanded at one one millionth the rate that it's expanding right now, faster or slower, the whole thing would collapse. There's 122 of these realities, these constants, that over and over again, scientists are discovering things in our modern world that are pointing to what Genesis was talking about. In other words, they're pointing to the truth of God. One of the questions I want to ask you, for those of you that aren't sure you believe that a God exists, again, you are welcome at this camp, and we're so glad you're here. And I want you to bring those questions up in your cabin time. A question you've got to wrestle with is, everything in all creation had a cause, had had a beginning, had something that started it. This Bible didn't just somehow get here, that these, these pages were printed, that this cover was put on. The devices we have, they, they, they were assembled, they were put together. What makes more logical sense? That this thing just came into existence on its own? Or that something or someone got it started? You see, I, I, I can't 100% prove God to you. I can't. But what I can do is point to these compelling pieces of evidence and ask you to consider what makes more sense that all that you see just came here out of nothing or that God got it all started. Now, I said our big idea was Jesus is God and created the world. So, so we've just talked about the existence of God. I want you to flip over to John chapter 1, John chapter 1, where we're going to be spending a lot of our time this week. John chapter 1, the author, John, who walked with Jesus, he begins his historical account of the life of Jesus this way. In the beginning was the word. Does that sound familiar? It's exactly the same beginning. Stay with me, y'all. Stay with me. 
It's the exact same beginning as Genesis. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What does John chapter 1, the beginning, tell us? It's this. That as we'll see in a few moments, when he uses the word, word, when he says in the beginning was the word, he's talking about Jesus. And so when John begins to tell his story of this, this guy, Jesus, who was this Jewish rabbi who grew up in Nazareth, who was born in Bethlehem, who eventually would die on a cross, and who many claimed, and I believe that he rose from the dead, that this Jesus was not just an interesting teacher. He was not just an interesting guy. He didn't just heal a few people. Jesus is God. That Jesus created the world. Big idea number two is this. Jesus gives us a new identity. So when we talk about is God true, Jesus actually gives us something really unique, a new identity. Let's go back first to Genesis A few verses later in Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Do you see what happened here? God who created all things, begins to create humans. And it says that he created humans in his own image. Not to be used and exploited, not to be neglected or abandoned, but to be cherished and loved. Students, I want you to hear this because some of you came to camp and and this is just what you need to hold on to for this first part of camp and it's this. You are not an accident. You are not alone. That God is not indifferent or distant from you, but that he knows you. He loves you. That he created you in his image. Do you know what that means? That means you have value. And you have worth, not because of how high your GPA is, not because of who you're dating, not because of what middle school or junior high or high school you will go to, not because of who your parents are or what zip code you live in, not because of the things you will accomplish or the jobs you will have or the people you were married, you will marry. Your value and worth does not come from what you do, but who created you. And that is God who gave you value and worth. But then look at what happens in John chapter 1, verses 6 to 13. Well, let's jump down to verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, talking about Jesus, 
To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. And so every person on planet Earth is made in God's image. That means every person on planet Earth should be loved, respected, valued, treated kindly, because they're made in God's image, and he loved them, created them, designed them. But here's, here's what's cool. If you'll choose to follow Jesus, if you choose to believe that he's the truth of the world, that you become a part of his family, and he gives you a new identity. And your new identity is this. You are a child of God. You see, everyone on planet Earth is an image bearer of God. But to be in a relationship with God, which you're going to have an opportunity this week to make that decision, to be in a relationship with God means that you are one of his kids, that you are one of his children, that he gives you that free gift. There was a, a leader in our church, uh, in, in our high school ministry that I lead. Her name is Emily, and, and uh, one Sunday, Emily's car was broken into, stolen, and she came out at the after, as she came out at the end of church, and her car was gone. She called the police. She called her insurance company to try to figure out what they were going to do. They eventually, a few weeks later, found her car, and it was totaled, like completely totaled. There was nothing that they could do. And I remember Emily just having this really strong faith. She just trusted God even when it was hard. And then uh, after church one Sunday, after church one Sunday, this guy came up to me who didn't know anything about the situation, didn't know anything about Emily, didn't know anything about the stolen car. He came up to me after church and he said, Eric, I know this sounds crazy, but I've got an extra car and God's put it on my heart that I need to give that car to someone. And I was like, if it's a Lamborghini, I know who to give it to, okay? I got a, I got a person in mind. No, no, I was like, are you serious? I, I told him about Emily. They met up, they connected, and all of a sudden, Emily, who did nothing to deserve this car, was freely given this incredible gift. You see, if, if, if you... If you begin a relationship with Jesus, if you choose to make him the Lord of your life, you become a part of his family and you get this amazing gift of being able to say, my primary identity is not what I will accomplish or what others think about me, but my primary identity is that God says I'm one of his kids, that I'm a child of God, which comes with an incredible amount of peace. Because it's not tied to your performance. It's not tied to anything that you'll do. Number three, I want you to write this down. Jesus left heaven for you. These are reasons to consider following God. Jesus left heaven for you. Verse, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory Everything okay? All right. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Students, I want you to think about this for a minute. Jesus 
Jesus left heaven for you. Some of you have wondered rightly, what is the difference between Christianity and every other religion? In fact, maybe, maybe someone in your life has told you, you know, all the religions are basically the same. They're all kind of saying the exact same message. Unfortunately, if you've heard that, that person hasn't done a deep dive into the religions of the world because the reality is every religion is pointing in a different direction and that there are absolutes within every single religion. But it is a good question to ask, what is the difference between Christianity and every other religion? And I want to give you a visual. I want to give you a visual to help think about this. Every other religion in the world, every other religion, even atheism, is essentially about this. If you do these things, if you say these prayers, if you go to these places, if you avoid doing X, Y, and Z, God will love you. You'll, you'll reach some intellectual ascent. You'll enter into nirvana. You, 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 you will receive God's acceptance. If you climb the ladder, if you go up high enough, if you do enough things, God will love you. And this is how the world works. This is how much of our life works. That if we do X, Y, and Z, we will receive the validation, the acceptance that our hearts are longing for. But that is not the story of Christianity. That is not the story of the gospel. That's not the story of the Bible. In fact, the story of Jesus is the exact opposite. That God looked at you and I, recognizing we could we can never do enough to climb up the ladder. God is holy and perfect. He is infinite. We are finite. We are broken. We are sinful people. We could never climb up the ladder high enough. And so what God did is he climbed down the ladder, stepped into human history in the person of Jesus. Why? Because you're worth it to him. Because you're made in his image. Because he wants you to be one of his children. Because he loves you. And so I want you to think about this for a minute. Because there will be people in your life who will tell you, like, maybe like a, a boyfriend or girlfriend, I love you so much. And then like six weeks later, they won't even talk to you, right? Or they like, they make all these big promises. I want you to just think about this for a minute. Just think about this for a minute. Jesus left heaven with the Father to come to earth to be with you. What does that tell you about how God feels about you? And then here's our last big idea. Here's our last big idea. Reasons to consider God. You have an enemy. Last big idea, I want you to write this down. You have an enemy. A little over halfway through, or a little under halfway through the gospel of John, Jesus says this. Listen to these words. The thief, talking about Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Friends, make no mistake about Satan comes to steal your joy, to kill your faith, and to destroy your life. But Jesus, 
who created the world showed up to give you life. See, friends, there is a difference between breathing and living. The world is full of people that are breathing, but to be alive is a whole other thing. The truth of God is this. He created you. He created me. And he longs to have a relationship with us. And all week, we're going to spend our time together exploring who this personal God is. What's getting in the way of our relationship? What he did to make it possible for you and I to be in a relationship with him? And then what it means to follow him. So students, I'm going to ask this week that you have an open heart, that you consider these big questions, that you wrestle with these big ideas in your cabin time. Because I think cities, churches, communities, the world will be radically different because of those of you in this room who took Jesus seriously. So here's what I want to do. Here's how I want to close. I want to invite you to hold your hands open. And I, and, and I want this to be a kind of a visual like posture of you sort of saying with your hands what your heart and mind are believing, which is this. Or, or proclaiming, God, if you're real, show up this week. Because he has and he will, and he wants you to see him and know him. He wants to surprise you in unexpected ways this week. But maybe there's some of you, you're not sure why you came up here to camp. And I want to just invite you to say, with your hands, you're saying, okay, God, if you're real, show me yourself. Or maybe some of you, you know he's real, but you're feeling pretty empty and dry. Maybe with your hands, you're saying, God, fill me up again. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single one of these incredible students. I thank you for their amazing youth pastors and counselors and leaders who are coming up this week to serve them and love them and care for them and point them to you. And I pray that every single one of us, the Hume staff, the counselors, youth pastors, the students, my family, myself, me, that we would encounter you this week. That's what I need. I need to encounter you this week. And God, would the reality of your existence and who you are, the truth of who you are. Pierce our hearts. Transform us from the inside out. And may we be different people because we encountered the one true living God. So our hearts and our minds are open to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.